0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message.
1: <laughs> hey, happy Father's Day, y'all. Uh, thank you for those of you who are showing off your best dad shirts. I really appreciate it. Daddy, I love you. Three thousand. Got gotta bring it in. All right. Um, First of all, guys, I just want to start by saying, dads, we need you. We need the sanctified version of your masculinity that you bring to the world, and it's beautiful and it models God. We need your protection. We need your provision. We need your playfulness. Golly, do we need your playfulness. Us women are too serious sometimes. We need your playfulness, okay? And I just want to say, like, from one woman to all of you, thank you. We love you and we value you. And Sarah already took the words out of my mouth. I know that for some, this is a harder day. And so um, we're in that with you and we're grieving with you. Uh, for Father's Day, I couldn't get every guy something, but I did get a little gift for 10 people. So everybody look under the chair that you're sitting in and probably under the chair around you, there are 10 little tags underneath the chair. Um, if you're a woman and you get it, would you please pass it off to the nearest guy? Um, anybody finding them? I swear they're there. They're like in the very back of the chair, so you gotta reach back. Okay, I made it hard. It's a—it's it's not a prank. There's ten of them. Did you get you got one? Yay! Okay, so if you get them and you don't have to keep looking right now, but if you grab one. Do me a favor, at the bottom of your tag, it tells you the name of the book that you get. Head on out to the lobby right here, just outside these doors. There's a little table and you can grab your book, okay? All right, um, because it's Father's Day, I'm going to start the message with a little joke. What do you call a boat full of buddies? Anybody get it? A friendship. ship. Uh Okay, so we're going to talk about friendship today. And guys, um, while Pastor Carter's on his sabbatical, he gave a list of sermons that he wanted us to preach, and today he specifically chose friendship because he knows that especially for guys, sometimes it's really hard to jump into friendship. It's kind of hard, right? Right? But today, I want to dive into God's Word, and we're going to learn a little bit about friendship and what God calls us to be in. Now, before we do that, we all know that there's kind of levels of friendship, right? There's, there's our casual people, and you probably have hundreds of these. These are like your Facebook friends or your work acquaintances, or these are people that you just know a little bit about, um, but you have many of these, right? And you, you call them friend, but when it really comes down to it, like if your day falls apart, they're not going to be the person that you call. They're just your casual friend. Then we go the next step, and these are the people who are closer with us. These are people who we, we actually do life together. Again, maybe we're not telling them like the deepest, darkest thing, but they know a lot about us, and we start to know a lot, a lot about them. Today, though, I really want to talk about this deeper level friendship. I want to talk about being a committed friend friend. Now, these are the people, these these are like James, Peter, and John who were really good friends with Jesus. And it was like they had, yes, there were the disciples, the nucleus of 12, but then there was like this even tighter friend group. And I want to talk about them. Now, why is friendship so important? Why? Why? Why do we need to talk about this? Well, for one, in this COVID season that we were just in, I think we all realized who our friends really were. Right? I mean, we were stuck inside our homes, and so the people that you actually talked to or actually hung out with in your little pod of 10 they allowed us to have were probably your closer friends, right? They were your closer or committed friends. They were your people that you're going to be with like forever. And maybe, though, it revealed to you that you really don't have a lot of those committed friendships or maybe it revealed to you, golly, I am not a committed friend. I am not good at this. It is not my natural bent to reach out to people. So we realized it kind of revealed a lot about our friendships, didn't it? And the other reason we're going to talk about friendship is because the first thing that God said was not good after creation, after every day, he said, and this was good, and this is good. But the very first not good that he said was for man to be alone. We need each other. Our bottom line today is we need friends to get through life. It is imperative that we have friends to get through life. And you all know this too, we go through some hard stuff in life, don't we? We go through some hard stuff and we need friends to be around us so that we can get through it. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. Another version said, as brother is born for a time of adversity. We need that good friendship to help kind of carry us through the tough stuff that we go through, right? All right. So now I just want to add one more caveat before we jump in that I promise we're going to jump in. I know that you will be tempted to go, man, my friend really needs to hear this message. Yep, they are not a good friend, and they need to hear how they need to be a committed friend. And here's what I want to tell you. Stop right now. You are the friend. You're the friend. It's on you to learn from God's word and to dive deep and to be that committed person. So the second that you're tempted to say, oh, man, they are not a good friend, I want you to think about when one finger points out, three fingers are pointing back, okay? There's three more fingers pointing at you that you need to learn from this too. Sound good? Okay, so I'm going to open God's Word. We're going to jump into to 1 Samuel. And young men out there, or really anybody, if you've never actually read the Word of God, I would so invite you to read First and Second Samuel. They're some of my favorite books because they read like This epic story. So, anyway, we're gonna jump in. A little tiny bit of backstory. Um, David and Jonathan are these two guys. You probably, if you've never read the Bible before, have heard about Jonathan. Or, not Jonathan. You've probably heard about David. David is the guy who was the little guy and he swung the stones. Is that a word, swung? He swinged the stones, whatever. And he hit Goliath and he fell to the ground, right? Okay, so we've got David and we all know about him, but a lesser known character is Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of the king of Israel, and the king, Saul, had been anointed by God, but guys, he was starting to go off the rails and not do what God had asked him to do. So God actually told him, "Um, you're probably going to lose your kingship because you're being a knucklehead. (laughs) So God says, okay, David, you're going to be anointed. You're going to be the next one, and here is Jonathan and he should have the rightful next steps into the kingship. But instead, it's going to come to David. So we're going to start right in, right after David has killed Goliath, okay? First Samuel 18, verses 1 through 4. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond of love between them, and they became the best of friends. From that day on, Saul kept with him. Saul kept David with him at the palace and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a special vow to be David's friend. And he sealed the pact by giving him his robe, tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Guys, that is a, sim- that like super symbolizes, Jonathan's like, dude, I really like you. I think you're cool. Everything I have, it's yours now. Like his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt, that's like all of his authority. He's saying David, you should have this. Like, you're incredible. I don't know how you just went up against that giant, but go for it. Okay, so we're going to keep moving on into their story. And now um, Saul is really jealous of David, and he's trying to kill him. And Jonathan's like, hold up a minute. We're going to jump into 1 Samuel 19, verses 4 through 7. And this is actually Jonathan now talking to his father Saul. And he's saying many good things about him in verse... 4. It says, "Please don't sin against David," again talking to his dad. "He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then, so why should you murder an innocent man like David? There's no reason for it at all." So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, "As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed." And afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he took David to see Saul, and everything is as it had been before. So, Jonathan steps in. He's like, Dad, you're being a fool. Don't go here. And then everything's okay. Kind of David and Saul are reconciled again. Well, that lasted for just a moment because Saul started to go crazy crazy and was trying to completely kill David, send tons of soldiers after him and everything. And David comes up to Jonathan, because Jonathan is this sweet guy, and he's thinking, I know everything my dad does, and last time we talked, it seemed like he's good again, and you two are reconciled, and we don't have any problems here. But then, again, Saul is starting to send people after David, and David knows it, and David comes to Jonathan, and he's like, Jonathan, your dad's trying to kill me. Jonathan's like, no, he's not doing that. But he listens to David, and he goes, okay, we'll test your theory. There's this new moon celebration coming up. We're going to have this big dinner. Um, You stay with your family, and if my dad asks, I'll say that's where you are. If he freaks out, I know that he's actually after you, and we'll do something about that. But if he doesn't, then everything's great, David, and you can come back to the palace, and all things will be fine. Well, sure enough, on the third night of this festival, Saul asks, Where's David? Jonathan says he's with his family. Now, I'm elaborating, but I get the image that Saul, like, turns over the table, like, what? Who is he to defy the king and not come to my thing? And so Jonathan runs out and he performs this thing that he told David about. He's like, I'm going to shoot an arrow and I'm going to tell my servant boy, if my dad freaked out, that he hasn't found the arrow and he needs to keep running in order to find the arrow. But if it's fine, I'll say, oh, look, it's right there. David, you just listen where I'm going to shoot these arrows. and This is where we're at, okay? So 1 Samuel 20, verses 41 and 42. We're kind of all over, guys. As soon as the servant boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed to Jonathan with his face to the ground. He knew, I got to go. Your dad's going to kill me. I just got to go. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye especially David. He knew it was the end. He wasn't going to be able to see his best buddy anymore. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have made a pact in the Lord's name. We have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to the city. Can you imagine that? These two men who had really, like, they'd made a pact with each other. Jonathan giving David all of his things was really him saying, like, I am in this with you, ride or die. Like, we're going to be in this together forever. And now David realizes, like, I can't be anywhere near you. You're my best friend, but I have to go. This is heart-wrenching. OK, so David flees. He goes to this other city. he 's constantly moving because he knows that Saul 's men are still after him, and he, he knows like I'm just not safe here. I, I'm not really safe anywhere. And he goes to this one priest in this one little town and he asks for some bread, and while he 's doing that, one of Saul 's um, like leaders sees David, and this is out of town. And he goes back to Saul and he says, Saul, I saw him in this area. we got to go kill him. So we're going to pick it up now in 1 Samuel 23, verses 15 through 18. Thanks for hanging in here, guys. We're jumping all over. Here we go. 1 Samuel 23, verses 15. One day near Haresh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Now Jonathan knew about this too. So Jonathan leaves the um, leaves his home, (laughs) and he goes out to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be king of Israel, and I will be next to you as my father is well aware. So the two of them renewed their covenant of friendship before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Harash. Okay, we made it, guys. We got through all the verses. Here we go. Here's what we need to know. They modeled friendship so well, didn't they? Jonathan everything that he could have rightly had as the son of the king he recognized no David this is your thing and i'm going to do everything in my power to support you and be a good friend to you and david he just he he still showed the honor that was due to jonathan as the prince and he bowed down before jonathan before we get into what a committed friendship really looks like i want to caution us all because i think a lot of times we're like great They have a good friendship. I don't have good friendships. And guys, if I'm totally honest, I have been there for almost all of my life, and as my husband would attest, and my two very good friends would attest, I really struggle with believing that they like me I know that they love me, but do they even actually like me? Do they actually want me around? And so I know that there's places in all of our hearts that we really want a good committed friendship, but we just are like, I don't know how to do that. And so there's shame maybe that keeps us away. There's places maybe that we've made foolish mistakes and we're afraid to jump back into a friendship. And I want to tell you, press in. Don't stay back. Guys, the greatest you is in community. We need friends to get through life. Press in. And don't let the absence of friendships make you bitter. Like I said, for years, I, I, have to, I have siblings that are 10 and 11 years older than I. And so people my age, I don't know how to get along with because when I was 10, I thought I was 21. Okay, like this is my mentality. This is how I grew up. And so for a very long time, I got bitter, and I got angry. Why don't I have friends? God, why haven't you brought them to me? I needed to stop, and I needed to repent of the pride, and I needed to say, God, I, I, I'm asking you, bring me friends. And while we're praying, let's ask for wise friends. What does it say in Proverbs thirteen twenty? It says, he who walks with the wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. <laughs> Take a second, just a second right now, and think through your friends. Are they wise? Are they people who are causing you to grow and be more wise? Or are they fools and they're causing you harm? Do a little bit of a check and ask God, okay, help me to have good friends who are causing me to be wise And then I want to tell you, do not believe the lie that you are not needed. Do not believe the lie that you can't be a good friend. No, God has placed you right here with your background, with the things that you've gone through, with your personality. And he's saying, I need you to be a friend. I need you to step out. I need you to go first and be that committed friend. In Philippians 2, 4, it says, Do nothing out of what? Selfish ambition or vain conceit. So don't do it for yourself, and don't be conceited and prideful about it. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Guys, I think sometimes we get in this thing with friendships where we're like, they didn't call me. Oh, they all got together on Facebook and had this really cool event, and I wasn't part of it. Oh, man, they went on this really cool fishing trip, and nobody called me. I'm not part of that, okay? Do not get stuck in that. You are needed, and it's your job to reach out, okay? And then don't wallow in self-pity. If you don't have good friends right now, keep praying for them and smile, (laughs) who knows you know I'm sure we've all been through this where you're kind of having a stinky day and you go to the grocery store and somebody just smiles at you and golly COVID with our masks that made things hard but you could still see their smile on their eyes and when they smiled at you it was like my day totally just changed smile be that friend okay ready to dive in Okay, so what are the elements of a committed friendship? Here's your number one bullet point common passions. Common passions. When we pick up on the story with Jonathan and David, what I didn't tell you about is that Jonathan, just before that, knowing his dad was kind of an idiot, he actually jumped in and moved in a way that really kind of saved Israel from the Philistines. A little while before David jumps into the story. And so Jonathan was committed to keeping the nation of Israel underneath the headship of God. He was committed to making sure that his people were going to be safe, even though he didn't actually have the responsibility of that. He still stepped in. And we saw David that same way. He, as the Philistine guy, was standing there and yelling, Who are these? people and their God is doing nothing. David's like, oh no, man. (laughs) Like, I don't care what you say. I know that my God is for his people and I'm going to stand up. So Jonathan and David have those common passions together. For us, we find instantly that when we, when we have good friends, we share common passions with them. And like, that's what we talk about. That's how we hang out together. Um, and what's really great about a good committed friendship is you're going to have a few of those things that you really do share your common passions with, but you're going to have a few things that you probably really disagree about, right? Does that make you lesser friends? No. It actually makes you a better human because it begins to stretch your understanding and it begins to stretch your compassion and you begin to see there's more than one way to do things in this world all right. So here if you're here and you're like common passions, I don't have any common passions. Yes, you do. And you instantly as a part of our church, you're part of that casual friendship list, but if you want to get closer, a couple things that you could do is you could join a summer supper. This is a great opportunity to meet some people and move into that next level of friendship. You begin to know a little bit about them. You get it's really kind of like a non-committal, really easy. You're just Eating some food. Like, it's awesome. Last or two years, we couldn't do it last year because of COVID, but two years ago when we did it, it was so, so good. So, I would really encourage you, there's a ton of these that are still open. Sign up for a summer supper, get to meet some people that you don't already know in our church, okay? Now, another thing that you could do is you could come to GLS. Now, if you are a person that gets excited about leadership stuff, you should come because you're going to be around other like minded leaders. And you might see, oh man, I really like the way that they do this in their company, or I really like the way that they encourage their people, so check out GLS, or really, guys, serve, serve. I will tell you, some of the deepest friendships I have with people are because I serve alongside them. I just have that time to rub shoulders with them, right, and I, I get to know them a lot more, and they become some of my closer friendships. Did I say that they're part of my committed friendships? No, and I don't place that burden on them right away, okay? We have to get to know each other, but you will find some closer friendships when you just jump in and serve. All right, so what does a committed friendship look like? It looks like we share some common passions, and then it looks like we have constancy. A good friendship models constancy. You are there when their kid is in the hospital. You are there when their parent dies. You are there when they graduate high school. You are there when they're getting their new job promotion. You are there. You are present. You are in it with them. For Jonathan, we saw this so clearly that even when his dad was trying to kill his best friend, Jonathan didn't shirk back and stop being friends with David. No, he dove in even deeper and was like, I am in this with you. Guys, we need some more constant friends. We need some people in our corner because why? Life is better with friends. Let's take a look really quick. In 1 Samuel 23, 16, it said, Jonathan went to find David and he encouraged him to stay strong in God. Guys, we need constant friends who are spiritually strengthening us. They are looking at us and saying, don't you dare quit. God has more for you. Don't stop now. You need to keep going. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Don't forget about that verse. Remember that. Speak that over yourself. We need people in our corner who are going to do that. You need to be the person in somebody else's corner who is strengthening them spiritually. We need that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So let's be the kind of people who keep each other sharp, who point out things in their life where they need to grow. And then, guys, we need to refuse rivalry. Did you see, Jonathan, he recognized, okay, I may be the king's son and rightly by blood, like I should step into this kingship. But no, instead, he said, I see. I see. God has given you this role, and I am behind you. You are going to be king of Israel, David, he said, and I'm going to be next to you. I'm going to be next to you. I'm going to support you. We need people in our corner who refuse competition, who refuse comparison. We need to be people who refuse comparison and instead who are like, you go, you got this. I see that God has placed that in your heart and I am all for you. How can I pray? How can I support you? How can I lift you up so that you keep going? All right. So we need common passions. We need constancy. And then we need some transparency in there. Transparency. This is one of the hardest ones, I think. We need friends who are going to hold up the mirror to us and who are going to say, you're being foolish or you're walking this way. And I just want to say, if you take one more step, you're probably going to end up on your face with some broken teeth. We need friends in our corner who are going to point out ways that we need to go in a more wise way. Now, Jonathan was amazing because I'm sure he was doing this with David, but did you see that he did this with his own father? He was like, Dad, you're about to kill David and he's done nothing but support you and be behind you and lift up our country. Like, what are you doing? Don't do that. That's not wise. Jonathan was so good at that. And with Jonathan specifically, when he and David first met, there's a phrase and it said, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And uh, scholars call that like a motif. Like it's, it's an example for us that when they were like knit together, it's as though they were see-through. Both of them shared everything. They had everything in common I know, because I am really not good at this, I like to keep my stuff hidden. I don't want to tell you my deepest sins. I don't want to tell you the ways that I'm struggling. And if I'm totally honest, it's a lot of, in my brain, like, I don't want to burden my friends with that. But guys friends are there for that. They are there to carry it with you. They are there to, when you can't walk anymore, they're going to hold you up and they're going to carry you instead. So transparency. Now it goes two ways, doesn't it? You have to reveal transparency and sometimes you have to receive transparency. Like when David told Jonathan, dude, your dad is trying to kill me. Jonathan didn't go, listen, man, that's just stupid, and you shouldn't do that. No, he slowed down, and he listened carefully. And I love, I love that. I love that he didn't get frustrated about what David was bringing to them, but he just listened. Now, we need to, um, we need to listen carefully when our friends tell us, you're about to do something stupid. And those are the hardest days, I think. But here's what the Bible says. In Proverbs 27.6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, we've all had those friends who they'll just like, oh, you're good, everything's great. But what we really need is the people who are going to be like, you know, I've seen some patterns in your life, and I, I wonder, have you thought that maybe those are some like destructive things? We need wounds from a friend. They can be trusted because, listen, they are for you. So when a friend points out some things and you instantly get prickly and angry at them, we need to remember that verse. No, God, you say that wounds from a friend can be trusted. I think maybe you're speaking through my friend right now and trying to convict me of something. Let me slow down and not be so crazy that I can't listen to my friends. And then we need to reveal transparency without shame. Did you see that later when they're about to like leave forever? It says that Jonathan and David, they both wept. We need to be okay revealing our hearts to each other. We need to be okay with showing some emotion because God moves through our emotion. He would not have given us our emotions if he didn't intend to use them for us. So... What does a committed friend look like? It looks like common passions, constancy, and some transparency. And since it's Father's Day, guys, I wanted to actually invite, I know I'm a woman, and I'm preaching on Father's Day, and I am speaking to men, and I wanted to invite some other men up here so that you could hear from guys what this looks like. So may I please have Brandon Adkins, my husband, Chris Ayala, and Kyle Bennett. I mean, whatever. These three are hysterical. Um, Okay, so Brandon has known Chris for about... 13 or 14 years. I think he actually has known Kyle a little bit longer since Kyle was in high school. And um, Brandon and Chris got to know each other when they worked at Starbucks and kind of instantly hit it off. And the three of them share some common passions of leading worship and music being altogether ridiculous and hilarious. And they really honestly, guys, they spur each other on. They sharpen each other really, really well, and I am honored to know these men. So um, I'm going to ask them each a question kind of pertaining to our message. So, Kyle, I know that there was a season in your life where you pulled yourself away from friendships, and that kind of got dark since that time. Where, how have you seen friendships really grow you and change your life?
2: Sure. Um... So it's kinda like when you're isolated like that, it's kind of like um driving a car with like no lights on. Um you can't really see the things around you or like the potholes in the road. But the trick is is that you don't always know that the it's it's like driving a car with no lights on, but you don't know it. Hmm. So you don't even know that the lights are off. Um so in having those friendships, uh they're kinda like, Hey, wait, turn the lights on. You're about to Hit this pothole, or this deer, or this skunk. <laughs> um, so it's uh, yeah, that's it's fantastic. a little different.
1: So they watch out for you. They keep you from mm-hmm. from yeah. potholes, from things that are gonna potentially destroy you. All right, Chris. So, Chris, I know that something that the Lord has placed deeply inside of your heart is to be a worship pastor. And I know that when you and Brandon first started at Starbucks together, neither of you were in that role. You were both just worship leaders. And as time progressed, Brandon stepped into the worship pastor role. And I want to ask, over time, has there ever been a time where you've been really tempted to be like, no, God, that is my thing. Like, you've said I'm going to do this Uh, how has that gone in your heart? Do you guys want
3: to both hold it? Is that weird? If you just do that. (laughs) No? Okay, I'll just take (laughs) yours. It's a little weird. It's a little little strange. Okay. Yeah. um, That, yeah, I I should probably explain on the front end that um, I don't don't know if I've ever wanted to have it over Brandon. I think it actually terrifies me to think of doing anything without him as -hmm. far as ministry work. But come on, man.
2: Please. (laughs) I'm right here. I'm wearing the
3: shirt. I have to be cheesy. Um, But uh, I'm going to tell. Can I tell a story? I'm going to tell a story. Um, This was a few years ago. Um, Me and him were preparing for an event here at church. There's a lot of setup, guys. I'm sorry. There's just a lot of setup. There's a lot of setup. (laughs) Jeez Louise. And he was being. very transparent with me about some stuff. We're in the, uh, the vortex. Do you want to explain what the vortex is? So, the vortex
1: for Brandon and Chris means they get talking about something, and like four hours later, I text them, I thought you were just going to pick something up at Chris's house. So, they get into this thing where like time just does not matter. So, they were so in, we're in vortex. the
2: vortex.
3: <laughs> and, um, you know, he was, he, we were discussing about just the hardships in ministry, because there's hardships in ministry. Yeah. Anybody know any hardships in ministry? I mean, it's tough.
1: Or just life, period, yeah. Man.
3: Yeah. And we were um, sharing in that moment, and I remember thinking to myself, my, my, the tone of his voice changed in my head, and um, it, I remember saying the sentence, hey, I don't know if this helps, man, but like you know you have my dream job, right? Mm-hmm. That's not how it sounded in here, though. <laughs> it was more like, hey, idiot. You have the coolest job on the planet. What are you talking about, bro? The cool thing about having guys like this is the guys that love you that much is you get this grace, right? Um, I I remember telling Brandon this. I think he even said it. It even helped him with, with a different perspective about his work and what we do. And, you know, I laid it down at the feet of Jesus and said, you know what, Lord? If this never happens... I got their back. I'm with them, and I am for them. And I'll follow these two into the abyss, the truth. It never happens. I'm good, man. I got brothers that are better than my own brothers. Yeah. So.
1: Amen. That's so good. Thank you. So, Brandon, um, you do so much right. You do so much right. But I'm your wife, and I see some of your, I see some of the things that he doesn't do so well. And so, These two also see some of the things that you don't do well. Um, Tell me about a time where they pointed something out, and uh, how did you respond?
2: Yeah. Um, So, Kyle, recently, uh, leading up to Easter, Easter week, kind of the run-up to Easter in a ministry job can be a lot of work, so that's kind of a push time. I I was honestly kind of burning the candle at both ends and just working way too hard and really past the point of hard work into the point of like striving in the flesh and just, mm-hmm. uh, just you know, past the point of, of diminishing return. <laughs> and Kyle looked me in the eye and he said, you know, the Lord doesn't need you. <laughs> and it sounds like an insult, but it was actually really good. <laughs> it was actually really helpful. And what that did was it was, it was humbling and it hit me, uh, just kind of cut right through me. And it, it started a domino effect with me and the Lord, Uh, over that weekend, really, of just laying things down, just different things that I had had gathered up to stress about, just laying those down um, and trusting the Lord. It was really, really helpful. And he had to have the courage to to do that. Uh, Chris, similarly, he he shared a little bit of it, but we'll do that regularly where uh, he's one of my primary decompress bros. So um, I'll go to him and just say... you know, when we when we see each other, we'll say, how are you doing? And it's not just, how are you doing? It's really like, what, tell me, let me see your soul. Um, and I'll, transparency. Yeah, I'll share what's hard, what's painful, where I'm feeling weak or beat up. And it's different than complaining. Um, and he'll, 80% of the time, really all it takes is just listening and like, see you. That's hard. You good? Okay, let's keep going. And then 20% of the time, it's that and, and also hold up the mirror and, and tell me where I'm being an idiot and say, do you see this thing right here? You're just complaining right here. Just get over it. Or do you see this thing right here? You're seeing it wrong. And really, you're prideful and you need to you know repent and you know change your mind. So I would also, while I have the opportunity to let you know, it, there's cause to celebrate. Chris actually is your worship pastor. Woo-hoo! So let's celebrate that right now. You have... You have two worship pastors, Fierce Church. I'm, I'm your worship pastor, and he is the co-regional worship pastor uh, of Fierce Church. You know, pay-wise, it's, it's part-time basis. Uh, he still has a, a full-time job at Starbucks, but he, he handles, I can't even tell you how much he handles here and how much he makes happen here. Um, both things that he's doing and just ways he's holding me up as I help do things too. So, immensely helpful and valuable.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Hey, Brandon, really quick, too. When we were talking, we, you know, because we rehearsed this last night a little bit. We're married, so we talk my husband. Um, So when we were talking about this last night, you were like, hey, can I also caution people? What, what did you want to say with that?
2: Yes. So this is awesome. And I, I, we, we are very grateful for the, you know, to the Lord. Um, he's blessed us immensely. It's a very rich friendship. I would also just let you know, uh, we don't hang out all the time. So we actually live in the same apartment building.
1: All three Literally. of our families, all of our families all live, live in the, the same, same building. building.
2: <laughs> and we see each other. I would say the times where we just get together just to hang out and see each other, five or six times a year, maybe. Like get the families together with no other agenda to do anything else. 90% of the context that we have is because we're doing this at least every other week. We're, we're serving together. And I would I would just encourage you relationships work off of quantity time over quality time you can't schedule in five minutes a really deep conversation but if you're just together in and out of season little touches here and there over the weeks we've been doing this for years and the and the friendship has just deepened and deepened so avoid the trap erica talked about this of, of seeing you know the instagram the, the facebook version the photo you know where they're all together and matching pajamas drinking hot chocolate we don't do that I mean, sometimes we do that. We do, but... When did, when did we get um. matching pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> but I think in our generation, especially with the advent of social media, it's just a, it's a brilliant trap of the enemy to just yeah. lure you into jealousy of what you don't have, get you jealous of it, and, and get you to really curse what the Lord has blessed you with. You probably, if you, if you sat down and thought yeah. about it, you've got people yeah. who would jump in front of a bus for you. If, they would show up if, if you needed them if you gave that phone call. So... Just a a word of caution there. That's, I think, a a trap that that I see the enemy try and uh, lure people into jealousy with. Yeah,
1: that is. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I'm grateful for them being transparent and showing a little bit of their, their friendships and how that works for them and how we can maybe begin to ask the Lord for some of those things for us. Well, before we finish up, I want to just take a second and look back at Jonathan. Because David, it seems, was actually way more on the receiving end of the friendship, wasn't he? Jonathan was the one who continually poured himself out for David. And as we look at that, guys, Jonathan is actually a really incredible picture of Jesus' love for us. Jonathan just saw David across the the battleground, and was like, my soul is knit to him. I love him. I am for him. Just like Jesus looks across everything and says, I am for you. Jesus showed constancy. Just like Jonathan showed constancy, regardless of everything that was happening, Jesus steps in and he goes, I am here till the end of the age with you. And transparency, just like Jonathan gave everything for David, Jesus stands, he stood on the cross for you and I and there were holes in his hands and a hole in his side and holes in his feet in which he was completely transparent as he hung on that cross. Guys, it is the friendship of Jesus that saves us. He laid down, just like Jonathan said, I don't need the kingship, you're the rightful heir. Jesus left heaven and said, God, if leaving my kingship in heaven right now and going to earth makes a way for them to be with me forever, let's do it. Let's do it. So guys, we're gonna go into communion right now. Um, If you didn't get a chance to grab one of these little cups, go ahead and they're on that table in the back. Feel free to go back there or um, maybe some of our ushers will grab one for you. But in John 15 Verses 12 through 17, it says, Greater love has no one than this, then he laid down his life for his friends. Guys, Jesus perfectly modeled for us what a true committed friendship looks like. It's that common passion to have our sins forgiven. He was constant in remaining on the cross so that we could be reunited with him, and he was transparent, coming to us as a baby, then living life hanging on the cross bear as a sign of his commitment to us and the Father. We're going to take communion in a moment, but it's a practice that we have followed with centuries of other Christians before us, stopping to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Jesus knew that a major test of his friendship to us and his commitment to God was going to be ahead. Guys, he sat at this dinner table with the disciples and on his mind in that moment was every human being who had ever lived and every human being who would ever come. And the weight of the coming days was pressing on him. And I've never caught this before, but kind of the classic uh, passage that we read when we take communion together in First Corinthians 11 starts out on the night in which he was betrayed. One of Jesus. Closer friends. One of his 10 disciples was actually about to hand him over to the religious leaders of the day. He was facing the betrayal of a friend. He was probably contemplating the agony of the torture that he was about to endure. And he was anticipating the loneliness he was about to feel because he knew that God actually had to turn his face away from Jesus to let all of the curse and the weight of sin pass over him. And all of that is swirling through his mind as the disciples are just, you know, they're just hanging around a table doing their normal thing. But then Jesus spoke up. And I bet you in that moment there was an instant hush. Because I can't imagine that they didn't all perceive something different about Jesus that day. I mean, you know when there's something heavy on your mind, like all your friends know, like, where, where are you? You're not here, you're not present, you're elsewhere. And I'm sure that Jesus' mind was in all of that. But then he speaks up and he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And I don't know that they fully understood it in that moment. But I want to take a second, before we take communion together, I want to quiet our hearts I want to ask God to reveal the ways in which we have glossed over his sacrifice and that we've just made his friendship something that we're like, yeah, that's just a given. Jesus, you're always going to be a friend of mine. And we need to ask him to reveal the sins that we've embraced, the ways that we've betrayed his heart by turning toward evil. And then let's ask forgiveness, which he extends so willingly So, go ahead and close your eyes and take a moment to just pray by yourself. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, Jesus. And lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. All right, go ahead and get your elements ready. There's a little, like, very thin, clear thing on top to pull out the wafer first. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11... Verse 23, it says, For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, and it is sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Go ahead and take the cup. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death. Until he comes again. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are forever grateful for your friendship. We recognize that we would have nothing apart from you. And we also acknowledge, God, that we need friends in our lives. We need people to surround us, to spur us on toward good works, to encourage us all the more as we see the day approaching. God, show us the ways in which we've betrayed you by sin and show us the ways in which we've not been a good friend. And God, cause our hearts to lean into yours because you are the perfect friend so we can learn from you. God, we love you. We're grateful for this family that we have where we're instantly casual friends, but God, take us from the casual friendship to the closer friends. And God, reveal to us some committed friendships that we can have or perhaps that we already have, we just don't appreciate the way we should. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on... Passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button. Button, take a screenshot and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.